Hey there, this is Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. Say, I want to start off, I want to tell you about uh, how folks got in trouble this week. And uh, it's really uh, never-ending in New Jersey, and at least from their mistakes, hopefully you can learn more about how to protect yourself. I see this all the time. These, uh, these folks get in trouble, and I go, man, if they had only known. So I want you to know, so you're not the ones getting in trouble. And these principles really apply universally, but let's start off with a good one and something you need to keep in mind. Beware what you bring to a gun dealer. Because, you know, you, you bring something that's contraband to a gun dealer, regardless of what jurisdiction you're in, and you put the gun dealer in quite a spot. Because now the gun dealer has something that's unlawful, knows it's unlawful, and it could be that you're just naive and, and you didn't know that it's unlawful. I understand that. I understand that that is uh, out there, but what happens is the dealer doesn't know if you're like a setup from the ATF or what. You have this piece of contraband, and lots of times dealers will say, hey, look, you can't have that, that's illegal, you need to you know, surrender to the police, get rid of it, do whatever. And they'll advise you about it, and and that'll be that. And in a way, they take a chance even doing that, but many times uh, I've, I've known of that occurring. But also, the other, the opposite happens. They end up taking in whatever this may be that's illegal and then contacting the authorities because they don't want to get in trouble themselves. And next thing you know, you're raided, you know, your house is searched, you're arrested, charged with the unlawful possession of whatever this item is. Just had one of those uh, this week. And, you know, now it's all come down on this uh, poor guy who thought his, his item was legal. He didn't understand that New Jersey is nothing like other states. And in a lot of trouble and uh, we're going to work to save them of course but you got to think about before you make that move going to a dealer and bringing that dealer any kind of of contraband because then it can really blow up and blow back on you and or the dealer so that's one way to get in trouble and i'm sure you'd like to know other ways so we had another folk another person who uh was stopped and in showing their driver's license and other documents, guess what's seen? A gun permit from another state. A non-resident carry. And the officer sees that. Oh, now it opens the door. Do you have a gun? Do you carrying a gun? you have a gun? Oh, yeah, I'm legal. I'm licensed. And here's my gun. Yeah, except New Jersey doesn't recognize your carry license. And now you're arrested and you're charged with unlawful possession of a handgun in Jersey, and you're facing 10 years in state's prison and a minimum mandatory three and a half years, no chance of parole, because you had a gun with a license that New Jersey does not honor. New Jersey does not honor any other state's gun license. And the problem is when you show your license with your other documents, now you've opened the door. And I tell folks all the time, don't carry 
any kind of gun license, gun card, carry license, anything related to firearms. Keep it separate from your driver's license and registration and insurance separate from that. Even your gun club membership you don't want to display. It'll end up becoming something for engagement on the topic of firearms. And then next thing you know, you're having a search and seizure and arrest because it opened the door. So you need to learn from these things. And yet got another case that started just from that. So this is real world experiences here. This is what really happens. And it's a shame because we're proud to be gun owners. We're proud to exercise our Second Amendment freedoms. It's not something we want to hide or conceal. But in this anti-gun environment, in this anti-gun narrative and agenda that the left is shoving down our throats and dominating the media over, we as gun owners have to be discreet. You have to exercise the discretion. If you don't, then you become subject of the investigation, escalation into the investigation on you. And what happens? Uh, often it ends badly where you're now involved in the system. So be discreet. It is critical at this time that you are not blatant about your gun ownership, especially when the laws are so slanted against us and there's so many ridiculous prohibitions out there that you would not even believe or be aware of, particularly when you enter into treacherous anti-gun states like New Jersey. I mean, in New Jersey, possession of a slingshot is a felony. Folks would find that hard to believe, but it is. Looking at 18 months in state's prison, and if seeing a gun card led to an escalation into a search, and the only thing in your car was a slingshot, you're going to jail, and you're getting arrested because of it, and you had no, no clue, no idea that that was a problem. See these things all the time, so you don't want to give any excuses. You know, when you travel with your firearms, and you, you know you're traveling with a gun case, and your gun is cased and unloaded, and you're like, man, I'm feeling good. I'm within the exemptions. I'm doing everything right. Problem is you get pulled over and an officer sees a gun case. You know that under the case law in, in the district here, the plain view of a gun case is probable cause for the search. That's right. Plain view of the gun case gives probable cause for the warrantless search. Outrageous, but true. So you cannot display your gun case. If you don't have it in a trunk and you're driving in your SUV, you better cover your gun case with a blanket. Do not leave it in plain view. Or you open yourself up for a search. Yeah, simply because you were being a law-abiding citizen and, and transporting your gun in a case. And you may say, well, look, it was done right. It's law-abiding. So what if the officer finds a gun in the case. Well, yeah, except for the 11-round magazine you had when you didn't realize the cutoff was 10. Or you aren't aware as how New Jersey laws function. You see, in Jersey, every gun owner is guilty till proven innocent because 
you have to prove that you're with an exemption. So you can be arrested, and then it's up to you to prove you were coming and going from the range or your home, etc. And so the burden gets shifted. You're not aware of that. It goes on and on about how you can end up arrested even though you believe you were righteous and legal. And maybe ultimately you were. But think of what you're going to go through where if you just exercised a little discretion and were discreet in how you did it, you wouldn't have this hassle at all. So you want to avoid that. Tell you what, another person just this week got denied on a Nix check. Denied a purchase on Nix, even though he had a firearm license issued. And that's not that uncommon because Nick's database says one thing and the licensing authority searched further into it and realized it was okay. And then yet here, the guy goes to buy his third gun on with his when he already has a permit, gets denied, and the basis for the denial is some out-of-state conviction that they claim he was convicted of, but he wasn't. Those charges were dismissed. But the records are obviously in error, not complete. Doesn't matter. Nix is now denied. The denied Nix gets reported to his local police that issued the license, and now they want the surrender of all his firearms. Just this week, just today, not only this week, today with this case on that. And this isn't the first time I've seen it. So these are all these ways to get in trouble. And... You know, New Jersey and other states are, are mighty quick to seize your guns. Seize your guns under red flag, you know, so-called emergency protection orders, seized under any allegation of domestic violence, well before you're convicted or proven to have been, oh, no, take the guns first. You know, the health care confiscations where the doc, your doctor calls in, you know, because you said something stupid like, man, I had such a tough day I could kill myself, or I'm so pissed at this guy I could kill him, even though it's hyperbole. doesn't matter. Under Jersey's law, any threat, they'll call it in. Otherwise, they could lose their license. So guess what? Better safe than sorry. Now your guns are seized. And it's bad enough that your property gets seized through all these methods, all these, all these uh, tactics that are used to take away your guns. But then if contraband is found with your guns, now you got a double whammy. If, you know, you had a magazine that held 11 rounds instead of 10 or you had a slingshot in your possession or whatever, now you're getting criminally charged too. So you got to make sure you don't have anything that's a problem. And you may think that it never happened to you, but I can't tell you how many clients say to me, man, I never thought I'd be calling you. I never thought I'd be. Yet there they are. Because this stuff happens for real, and it ruins and harms good people. And it turns law-abiding citizens into criminals. And the state does not care that it's ruining your life, your freedom, your hopes and dreams, your careers. No, no problem. No problem at all. It's just part of the agenda, part of the narrative. And you're just another statistic where they sell to the public. When they want to show what a great job they're doing fighting crime. Look at all these illegal guns we've seized and, quote, taken off the street. Look at this. Look at these convictions. Aren't we doing a great job? When, in fact, they're doing a lousy job. 
and their focus is on the otherwise law-abiding, not those committing crimes, and they sell this to the public like they're doing something useful when you and I know they're not doing anything positive. It's all negative. It's all against our Second Amendment rights. Not, it's not facing on, on real bad guys. It's not coming down on real bad guys. You know, they're, they're, when it comes to real bad guys doing bad things with guns, even if they get charged with the gun charges, it's the first thing that's plea bargained away so they can make the deal and do the plea. But when it's law-abiding citizens with some kind of technicality, oh, we're going to enforce it to the limit because now we can get another, another gun owner disenfranchised of their Second Amendment rights for the entire country because they're now a convicted felon. It's all baked into the cake. It's there by design. You don't believe it? Well, you haven't fought these laws and tried to save people for over 30 years like I have. I'm telling you what's really going on. And, uh, yeah, maybe the lamestream media doesn't want to hear it. And the tech lords don't want me to post it. But you're listening to Gun Lawyer, and I'm telling you how it is. Because I'm in the trenches with my team every day fighting for these gun rights. And I see these atrocities take place. And it's really going on. So when we get back, I want to tell you about some other things that may save your life. Because as... As said in the uh, Clint Eastwood uh, classic, uh, Fistful of Dollars, sometimes a mere scrap of information can save a man's life. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman, tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Glad we're here to have this time so I can talk to you about things that you otherwise would have a hard time learning about. And um, I read a lot of things about firearms and gun laws, constantly intaking information and sharing it with my great listeners. And one of the things I want to point out is I just read a great article by Eugene Wallach, 
and it was in Reason Magazine, and uh, it says, ATF says federal firearm licensees must follow federal law, notwithstanding contrary state laws, which is very interesting because this really raises an important topic. You see, a number of states, which really mean well, and they're super pro-gun states, like Missouri and Texas, etc., they're trying to pass laws so that they can take themselves out of the federal prohibitions on various firearms and accessories. So, as the article talks about the Missouri House bill, which is called the Second Amendment Preservation Act, and it was uh, recently signed into law in Missouri in, in June of 2021. And what ATF sent out was a letter saying that, quote, it's, it's generated questions from industry members and firearm owners as to how this Missouri state law may affect them while engaged in the firearms business activity. And they quote the act as saying, Federal acts, laws, executive orders, administrative orders, and regulations falling into five regulated categories of firearms shall be considered infringements on the people's right to keep and bear arms. It says it's guaranteed by the Constitution, and it quotes the U.S. Constitution and the Constitution of Missouri. Hey, I totally love the sentiment of them declaring that these categories and these things are infringements and a violation. And I can't say I disagree because I do agree. But the problem is we don't have court decisions, particularly from, you know, even the Supreme Court where they've said, yep, that's invalid, that's unconstitutional, etc. I mean, we all know in our hearts and minds that it is, but it needs to actually be found that. And the law here merely making that declaration in by the state does not override federal law. I wish it did. But the five categories I think are kind of interesting that the Missouri law lays out. It says any tax levy fee or stamp imposed on firearms. So we're talking tax stamp. Well, look, you know, the tax has been on since 1934. That's why Treasury is where you found ATF, right? in Because it was all about taxation. And you're going to tell me the federal government can't tax basically anything it wants to? I mean, it can tax, and it has for a long time. And yet it's saying, no, we find this infringement, which is great. I think it is, but it doesn't mean you can ignore it simply because they've stated it. And it says firearm accessories, ammunition, all common goods, and then great. And then it says any registration or tracking of firearms, firearm accessories, and Great. I, I, I love that they find that registration is an infringement. And, in fact, with the National Firearm Act, it's all about registration. And then the same as registration of or tracking uh, across the board. And it's great that they're going after that. I, I agree. Same with any law forbidding ownership, use, transfer of a firearm or firearm accessory ammunition by law-abiding citizens. And any act ordering the confiscation of firearms. So these are great things that I totally support and admire that they are saying they are infringements. I totally get it. But the problem is, even though that's stated, it doesn't mean that now suddenly 
you can ignore federal law. Because until we get the case that says it, that says it's no good, you're out there taking a major, major risk of being prosecuted for violating federal law. Because federal law supersedes state law. And ATF in their letter makes that clear. And they say, accordingly, all provisions of federal laws, including the Gun Control Act and the National Firearm Act, and their corresponding regulations continue to apply and remain in full effect in Missouri. And I'm not a big fan of the ATF, but they're right. They're right. They do. And what I really don't want to see is any great law-abiding citizen or law-abiding FFL see this law and think, ah, now I don't have to follow federal law and then get in trouble for it. Because these attempts at these things have happened before. The so-called Firearm Freedoms Act in Kansas and individuals got in criminal trouble for thinking they could rely on it. You just can't. It's a wonderful statement and I love what's being said there, but I don't want to see any law-abiding person prosecuted because they thought this would cover them. It's dangerous in that regard. So until such time as we have actual court decisions rendering these laws, these federal infringements, which I agree they're infringements, until we have federal law through the courts and the case law saying this, you cannot rely on a state law Make it, you know, trying to push this theory. And you don't want to end up having that problem. And I've uh, seen it in other aspects as well. Like, a lot of this comes down to, in my view anyway, that a lot of us want to believe certain things and we want to have faith in certain things about our gun rights. And so we tend to go, hey, that's great, they're absolutely right, and we believe it. And when you read, you know, this great Missouri law, I mean, I love what it has to say, love how they say it, love what it's about, its purpose and principle, love it. But it isn't going to do the job of protecting you. And people get kind of sucked into that and believe it, and then they get in trouble. And I've seen that occur in other areas as well. And sometimes I see it put out in terms of theories of how laws work and how they're applied. And some of you may be aware there's a thing called the sovereign movement, sovereigns. You see this uh, this whole philosophy of law and someone says they're a sovereign citizen and they're not accepting the jurisdiction of this whatever jurisdiction they're in because they're claiming a sovereignty. And let me just say, I mean, it would be great if sovereignty was a real thing that actually worked. And I know I'm going to get hit with all the sovereign arguments. Yeah, I've seen it. Except here's the bottom line, man. I've seen what happens to the people that try to push the sovereign arguments. And what happens is they lose. Okay, and I don't want to hear about... uh you know, some isolated nonsense because there's so much garbage 
in the sovereign philosophy, it makes me laugh. Like, oh, well, the UCC covers, you know, this, and it's all about contract. And quoting the UCC left and right to show how our contract with government and how they're uh, in breach of our contract. And UCC this and UCC that. And you know what? That's all sounds like great. Sounds great. Except if you go to the beginning of the UCC, it says what the UCC applies to. It applies to the sale of goods between merchants. Okay, that's what it applies to. The sale of goods between merchants. Nothing to do with our social contract with the government over our rights. Not a damn thing to do with it. But it, as long as you ignore that where this gets applied then it's great and it's like fantastic arguments it's wonderful what what brilliance except that it has no application whatsoever other than that minor thing it's great and then i've seen the sovereign you know oh fringe on the flag takes out the jurisdiction of the the fringe on the flag you know what no judge is dismissing your case because the flag in his courtroom has freaking fringe on it all right not happening and I'll tell you what I have had happen, though. I've had individuals that thought this load of nonsense would work, and they really, really screwed themselves over it. And I don't want you to be that person. Now, if you happen to be someone who believes in all this stuff, and I'm ruining your little fantasy, hey, it's up to you, man. You want to believe it? Go right ahead. But I'll tell you a story of an actual case I had. A case where I had this guy who was in the National Guard, and he was driving in uh, Long Branch, which uh, in an area that was uh, uh, a questionable area. And he was dropping off his girlfriend, and I honestly believe he got profiled because he was white, and they figured anyone in this area is white's buying drugs, but he wasn't. He legitimately was dropping off a, a girlfriend. But you see, he was from another state, and he had his gun under his seat, and he didn't have anything with drugs or anything to do with it. But when they hit him and they found the gun, they charged him with the gun charge in New Jersey. And here's this great guardsman, and you know, he's getting out, gets screwed over on this gun law. So I represent him, and I put it all together, and I get him into PTI, diversion program, where as long as he behaves himself, if the charges get dismissed, he won't become a convicted felon, he won't do any jail time, he won't lose his gun rights everything's packaged good ready to go took a lot of work but we're there and right before i'm about to get this officially done in court he calls me and says that he has run into this guy in the library who sells him the entire sovereign legal package so to speak unbelievable and, and what does he do he says he's dropping me as his attorney and this other guy that he's, you know, helped him out, paid him a little money, bought him gas and lunch money, helping him out. And he's helping him with this and he's filing this gigantic motion so it'll all just get dismissed based on all these fantastic sovereign theories. And I'm like, hey, I mean, you can have whoever you want as attorney. Well, I'm doing this myself and he's dropping me. And I'm like, okay, whatever, your choice. So, this guy decided, I guess, that he's going to show me how to do it because even though I'm no longer representing him, he sent me copies of everything he's filing. 
And he sends me this giant motion about the size of a phone book, even though we don't have phone books anymore. And there's all these attachments of UCC and all this nonsense that's not applicable here in any way. And it's a whole thing to dismiss it, and I read it, and it's essentially laughable. It's so absurd. And the sad part was it's going in front of a judge who at that time was one of the toughest judges who puts up with no nonsense that makes every attorney even be on their toes and extra careful in front. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this guy's bringing this load of garbage and arguing this to this judge. I'm shaking my head saying, well, you'll find out. Sure enough, the judge was not very happy with it and um, reamed him out, everything uh, denied, and gave him, what, four up there and totally, I guess, woke him up from his little fantasy of sovereignty saving his butt. And next thing you know, I get a call from his father, who's a doctor, who says uh, that he is very upset and his son made a big mistake and he's begging me to take the case back so that we could resolve it because I had it so set for a great resolution. And I said, well, unfortunately, that bridge is burned. And now your son appears to the court to be a wacko and there's really the judge is not going to be at all interested in the final in our resolution or in the prosecutor is not going to keep it on the table it's all it's all gone i mean i I feel bad i think your son was very naive but i I can't do anything for him now it's really too late he's like look i don't care how much tell me how much i'll send you a check and i said it's really not it's not really about the money i said it's what he's done and he says tell me how much and I'm like, well, I'm going to give him a sky-high price, and then they'll say no, and then they can move on. So I give this ridiculously high price. And he says, I'm sending you the check. I'm like, oh, great. So, yeah, the check's coming, but now i got to really save this guy. And he's really created a road of you know, destruction to try to undo. So I started thinking about it. I realized, you know what the problem here is? The problem is this guy that he ran into at the library who sold him all this nonsense and really is costing him essentially his freedom, his liberty, his career, his hopes and dreams because he's now looking at going to state prison for uh, up to 10 years with a three-and-a-half-year minimum mandatory, no chance of parole, when I had it all set for him to end up with no charges, no conviction, no jail, and saving his gun rights. And I realized just how destructive and horrible this guy was in ruining this this good kid who just was naive. And I said, you know what, I'm going to turn lemons into lemonade. And I called the prosecutor, and I mentioned the case, and he starts laughing. Oh, man, you took that case back. Oh, man, what's wrong with you? I'm like, listen, I said, my client's naive. He made honest mistake. I explained the whole thing. Look, it's not right. You know, he ran into this guy that sold him all this BS and it ends up ruining, and I said, look, you know, this 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 guy, I told the surprise, this guy practiced law without a license. He interfered in my attorney-client relationship and ruined it for this guy who's now going to go to, you know, most likely state's prison for three-and-a-half-year minimum mandatory. And that's wrong. And so the prosecutor said to me, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. He goes, I'll, I'll put your guy in PTI even. I'll put it back to where we were. I'm like, 
Okay, what's the catch? He goes, as long as you and your client testify to the grand jury about how this individual practiced law without a license and what he did and how he ruined your case and how he put in jeopardy your client. You willing to do that? I said, you know what? Yes, considering everything that he did and how it really put this guy in a position of ruining him, yeah, I'll do that. So sure enough, we did. We testified to the grand jury. The other guy was prosecuted for the unauthorized practice of law, and the guardsman, the good guy, saved his his career and his life, and in effect, his, his hopes and dreams. He was uh, able to get out from this gun charge and this mandatory state's prison. So there's an example of it and how these things can lead you down bad paths, and it can be extremely difficult to fix, even though this one we were able to. So keep that in mind. And uh, this is Evan Knapp reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.